0: Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show.
1: Yes, even though I'm not sure quite how name, image, and likeness stuff works. And I give them money. Oh, just, you this just, is how it works. You just give them money. Name, image, and
2: likeness allows athletes to be given money and by it, anybody.
1: Right, you just give them By cash. anybody. Straight cash, <laughs> homie, if you want to. Whatever you want to do. Would you get like you know on the back of the uniform? I don't know what, what they don't mean, wear uniform. Well, they mean, wear a golf shirt
2: <laughs> on his bag. Yeah, on, on his bag, bag. Did you just say Kornheiser? I wanted to say on his bag, <laughs> I am sponsored by Tony Kornheiser.
0: This is General George Washington, and you're listening to the Tony Kornheiser show.
2: I'm not against it. I mean, players have been cash cows for. A hundred years, they've gotten nothing. They've gotten nothing. Coaches and administrators have gotten everything. Right. So I'm fine with them making money. I'm just not going to do it myself. I'm not.
1: <laughs>
0: sponsoring. Are you talking
2: about the twelve year old kid? No, this is the freshman at uh,
1: at Binghamton. At
2: Binghamton. What oh. you, oh, Sean Collella?
3: What are you talking? No, there's about? A, there's a twelve year old kid who got nameage likeness for golf.
2: <laughs> a twelve year old kid? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Who, who
3: paid him? A lot of companies. I think one of the big ones is Encore Golf Balls. Is he good? I yeah, guess he he's must won be everything. Real- Wow.
2: All right. Uh, let me let me uh, speak to the reality of this show. What you are hearing now is being taped at the normal time at about 730 in the morning on Thursday. We're a day late. And the reason we're a day late today and I should go into summer schedule is, by the way, we're going to try and do three shows, but they're not all going to be Monday, Wednesday, Friday. If I get a chance to get away, they're going to be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday or some weeks. If I actually take vacation weeks, I'll let you know. Vacation, but in, she'll be worried? No. Okay. No, no, I'm not, not suspended. No, no, vacation. Just, yeah. no, I'm not suspended. <laughs> just, if I get suspended, you. that would be different. <laughs> <clears throat> but last night, Wednesday night, in the 7 o'clock hour, 7 o'clock Eastern, we taped both our guests. Eric Sedransk, who is the son of someone I went to grade school and high school with, um, and he's involved with charity golf called Member for a Day, and with Wilbon. Because Wilbon's in San Francisco. I don't want to, you know, ask Wilbon to wake up in the morning. It's it's foolish. He's got a very long day today, Thursday. He's got the game at night. So we taped them both, just so you know. We taped them both last night. Nothing has changed because we didn't ask him anything that would have any effect at all from last night. And now we're doing the Open, and we're going to do the Close today. And Michael is here, and Nigel is here. And Michael, first of all, and I think people are going to want to know this, how did Team Coco do
3: in in the Monday tournament that you played in? Team Coco placed uh, barely. We were we were the last winner, but we did place. Shop I uh, I aged a few years going around with Mr. Creedon, Mr. Campbell, and 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 from our fearless our fearless leader uh, Arch. Taught me some new vocabulary. <laughs> uh, he had a two-for-one, though. I would already buried the, the birdie putt. And the, the, way they, the way they compute for net is something that I've never done before. And it left me a little bit confused, but I just followed them around, had a great time. That's good. Reminder uh, reminded me about the power of clubs. I was so jealous of you because I saw you playing with a few of your friends when I went out to practice last week. And I'm just looking up at Creedon, who was someone who I sort of followed when I was just learning the game. And he'd come up to me and just casually give me a few good lessons. Player and just the, the power of staying at one club and, and sort of being around that community and growing up there.
2: So that's good. So you had a good time. You made Everybody on the team made $25 shop credit. Yeah, going towards your new driver. That would be great. I want to get a new driver, so that's, that's interesting. Did I tell you the deer story? No, I don't believe so. Okay, this happened. I didn't because Michael wasn't here. This happened on Monday morning. I came back with the dog at about, I don't know, 10 to 7 7 right around there and I come in the back way from the alley with the dog on this morning walk that is our tradition I take the leash off the dog and it's bright at this point it's very bright oh sure I take the leash off the dog the dog saunters straight to the front and waits for me to pick up the frisbees that is what we do in this particular case the dog did not saunter straight to the front the dog took a left and went near the Forsythias. It's very dense in that area. And the dog, something was up. I assumed the dog smelled a rabbit. That's what I assumed. Sure. I assumed a chase would ensue and a rabbit would be dead. That's because that's what that's- regularly happens. And when I say regularly, I mean only when she chases a rabbit in the backyard, which is rare. It's rare. Right. that this happens, but I've seen it happen enough but and you- put enough dead rabbits in bags and thrown them out that I know what's going to happen. I hear movement in the underbrush. I look over there. A full-grown deer. A full-grown deer leaps out from behind the bushes, takes three or four steps, jumps over the fence, never to be seen again. The deer was taller than I. A full-grown deer. It took two seconds. That's that's all.
1: They're very nimble. two
2: seconds.
3: It's so not a doe, a deer, a well, full-grown deer.
2: <laughs> you know, Ray, uh, a drop of golden sun, Fa. Uh, uh, yeah. So, um, I saw that and I was stunned, amazed and stunned. What was the deer doing there? It's too late. This is not the season where deers give birth. Right, and by the way, if a deer had given birth, the deer would The deer would have fought the dog. Yeah, and a dog, you know, I fought the law, and the law won. The deer would have beaten the dog.
1: Yeah, the deer's got the numbers on that one. Yeah,
2: but the, I assume it's a she, so I didn't see any points. So the deer leaps, and the dog, and the dog feels pretty good. <clears throat> I understand why the dog feels good about this, but had the deer said, "Really, <laughs> you want a piece of me?" <laughs> I think it might have gone the other way. Yeah, and but in Chessie's
3: I- mind, she won that battle. Oh, Oh, one hundred percent. She's yeah. like, yeah, there you go. So the saunter, returns. say it walking. Yeah. Yes. yeah, all the practice with the frisbees. <laughs> yes, that was so really good. The- um, you want you watched
2: last night? The match was on. For people that don't know what this is, this is a TNT production. It usually has Phil Mickelson and or Tiger Woods, but it almost always has Phil Mickelson i've always thought it was entertaining last night it was just with quarterbacks
3: and you you liked it i think they finally found their secret sauce now again the match is something that started as like the the, the biggest duel between tiger and phil in vegas where they had to go to a wedge off in darkness and no one you you were promised side bits none of that happened never happened. phil developed a character that at times was charming was uh was sort of intelligent but also overwhelming he, he he was the entire broadcast yes and then they tried to plug in various quarterbacks with with brady and manning and, and they
2: put it on tnt so charles was always around
3: yes and this was the first one where you say they finally figured out it's it's back in vegas they made it 12 holes so that it, it felt like it actually was going to end and they give them these carts that go forever uh and and charles i would listen to him just describe the happenings on any street as it goes up and down he's telling he's ribbing brady be like oh that atlanta that atlanta super bowl I, I was celebrating at halftime with something a little bit bigger than beer if you know what i mean uh so they did you know that charles
2: him. sent me a picture of his grandson the other day
3: it just makes me happy because he'd always end every interview with you like tony say how do you family
2: nobody no because his grandson is henry oh. and he heard me on
3: pti mention henry And so he said, I'll show it to you. That's tremendous. Yeah. So you get the, you get the four biggest quarterbacks who are clearly avid golfers. They're larger than life figures, but then you see them address the ball and they look like anybody you would be paired with. Uh, They're, mannerisms, the way they grip the club, the, the sort of nervous ticks that they develop as it gets into a serious moment. It was tremendous fun. At one point, they go to Patrick Mahomes. They're like, what are you doing? And he's cracking open a tall boy. And he goes, <laughs> yeah, it's just I'm just trying to keep it pretty regular out here. This is like my fourth one. It's fine. Hey, Josh, you want to get into the cooler? And you're thinking, when's the last time that I saw Josh Allen and Mahomes together on the field? Yeah. Uh, the coolest thing they do is they let them take a mulligan where they have to... Uh, they have to throw football, looked about 20 yards, to Jake from State Farm, who's holding up the the, <laughs> blow, uh, the heads on stick of Charles, and to then see them switch gears, where immediately they look to their left or right, and they identify one of their playing partners, and they just throw it as hard as they can back and forth, and of course, every one of them hits the head. It yeah. ends up with uh, Rodgers sinking a 12-footer for Bertie. He took it far more seriously than everyone else except for Brady, who wore pants because he... Was probably a little bit nervous about the calves compared to the other guys. So, you enjoyed it? I, you know what? I went, I, I stayed. It was a Wednesday night. It they didn't don't need much. They to don't me. have to deal with uh, trying to schedule this around real golf because yeah. they don't have golfers in it.
2: Yeah.
3: I'm glad. Well, I hope it did well and I hope they continue to do it. Um, I will get out of
2: here after I tell this. It's, this is not even a story. This is an appeal to whoever is listening who can help with this. Um, A couple of years ago, I got a new uh, AT&T iPhone, right? Is that what it is?
3: Well, you got a new one this past uh, fall of 2021.
2: Okay. So, uh, yeah, less than a year ago then. It doesn't work in my house. I have to call Matt Kelleher every day. I have to call Julia every day. I have to call people and do work. And it cuts out all the time. Now, it never cuts out in my car, so that tells me, and I'm not technologically savvy, but that tells me the phone is good, something's happening in my house with the service. This is Tracy's analysis as well, and I think yours too, Michael. It's been this
3: way since I was a kid.
2: You know, we have bad... I have to use a landline now. I never had to do that before. I've been doing this for a while, having these calls with Matt, and then Matt and Julia, and... And I, it, it, the phone stops. It just stops. And thank God I have a landline. And I go to the landline. Yeah. What is this? Is it my neighborhood? Is it my specific house? Is AT and doing something? Is it out of AT and hands? Is it a provider? Is it, you know, Verizon? Is it Comcast? I don't. It doesn't affect the show, the television show. We're fine on that. It affects my phone.
3: You opened with a lot of very practical questions. It could be the way that your house is constructed, but always look at your phone and see what your coverage looks like because you might find if you, if you sit in one part of your house, you have better coverage than in another area. Now, do you have Wi-Fi turned on your phone? I don't know what that means. Do you? Oh, oh gosh. I mean, I could go to settings. I think it's on. Yes, when we look at the top right but Tracy
2: believes that that Tracy believes that I'm not getting sufficient Wi-Fi. So you're can getting I buy Wi-Fi.: so these are two Can someone separate, come to my house and hand, hand me Wi-Fi? Getting, <laughs> like right now, I can tell you, <laughs> our Wi-Fi so.
3: is, is full bars. Now the cell phone. This is where I is sit. Not. The what? The cell phone bars, we have less that we have one bar for uh, phone coverage. So is that, that is an AT situation. That is an at and t issue that was at and t charges
2: me Cingulate. a lot of money every single month, like 175 dollars somewhere
1: in that neighborhood, every single month. And if my service stinks, why am I paying it? There's no reason. Yeah. I mean, that whole thing comes down to coverage. And if you can't get coverage in your house. Tracy said something
2: about them all going to 5G and me maybe having
3: 4G and being left in the dust. I think we can look to the little house to solve this. You should offer to get a 5G tower up on the roof. Oh, there you go. Just welcome the new neighbors.
1: This is no good. No. I, mean, I, no. I mean, I'm sitting and doing my work, and I can't do my work. The most frustrating thing is when you're in your own house and your phone d- d- I'm paying money out. for
2: this, and yeah. I don't have it. So if someone who works for AT&T is listening, or someone who knows what I'm talking about is listening, so, you know, just send me that. Don't tell me who you sat next to on a plane anymore. <laughs> and we're done with that. My top fun. three? That was, what's your top no, three? No, I don't have any. Oh. You know, that's, you know, that's it. We've had that. Have I, oh, I sat next to it. I sat next to Wilbon. <laughs> I sat next to Michael Wilbon on a plane.
1: So, they did cover a lot of that Wi Fi stuff. next to Alan
2: Bubis. Did sit next to Alan. Right next yeah.
1: to the Socialite. They did cover a lot of that Wi Fi stuff in uh, biology for non majors. I'm not sure if you were No, there was
2: no Wi Fi then. No, wasn't. I am t- too old to understand these things. I'm too old. I, that's why I'm asking for help. Right. You know, I, I ask for help on things I don't understand. You know what I really don't ask for help on? Sports writing. I understand that.
3: <laughs> Don't ask down. for help on that. Don't yeah. need help on that. But I need help with this,
2: with AT&T.
3: Let's start They're by killing Walk around the main level of the house and just see if your coverage changes from room to room or by certain windows. All right, we're going to take a break.
2: You know, we're going to come back. Who are we coming back with? With Wilbon. We're going to come back with Wilbon during that period of time, since Wilbon's in the can already. Right. During that period of time, I'm going to get my phone. I'm going to show it to Michael. And when we get out of here... You know, maybe there'll be an update of some sort internally, because we can't have an
3: update. You haven't heard this yet. (laughs) I'm
2: Tony Kornheiser.
3: This
4: episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show.
2: This is the music of Coleman Mellett, He himself is no longer with us. This was sent in by his brother, Zebulon Mellet, of Barrington, Rhode Island, 65.8 miles south of Revere. (laughs) Coleman was the math, class of 92. And his brother rides some of the best musicians in the world, led by Grammy Award-winning producer, keyboardist, and close friend Barry Miles, collaborated to round out these songs and complete the album. Chuck Mangione is on it. James Taylor is on it. They lent their time and talents to give these songs everything they deserve. This is a lovely song. This is called Come On Home. And again, it is Coleman Mellett no longer with us, but the music lives on. Plays in Michael Wilbon. Wilbon is in San Francisco. Game one of the NBA Finals is tomorrow night. I'm not even going to fool around on this. We're going to start with it. In your heart and soul... Who do you think is going to win this series? And please feel free to talk about the ESPN BPI and the nonsense that we were exposed to today.
5: Is there anything dumber than <laughs> something that says there's an 86% chance that any team is going to beat Golden State? There's not even an 86% chance that the, that the 97, 96 Bulls would beat Golden State, 86% chance, really? Just, they got three guys going to the Hall of Fame. Yes, they who do. Who have been playing really well all spring and really seem to be coming into their own right now. Like, like I don't know that they're vintage. They had one vintage game. I don't know that they're vintage, like they, that they're like, you know, they were in 2015-16. But 86% chance that the Boston Celtics who tried to give away Game 7 in Miami are going to beat Golden State this is stupid. There's so much stupid stuff now, and it's all tied to numbers. And you even get tired of me when I, when I threaten and curse everything tied to numbers. Because everything is tied to numbers. People are lazy. They don't, well, they don't I just don't know. I don't narrative. know
2: how it is factored. I don't know what the ESPN the BPI is, matter. and I don't know who's running these numbers. Because matter. if you come out 86%, Mike, means there should be a sweep. <laughs> Three.
5: Boston a should sweep. Free. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Just, okay. So now you sound as angry as I usually well, in am.
2: In this particular case, I think it's stupid. Who do yeah, you forget know, the BPI? Who do you think will win the series
5: I ultimately? Think, I think Golden State will win the series. I'm, I don't know how many games. I, you know, I do want to do certain things. I want to see. You know, the, 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 it's interesting that the only team Steve Kerr has a losing record against in his tenure as the head coach of the Warriors is, is the Celtics. Yeah. And it's interesting that. You know, Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart has guarded Steph Curry over a period of years. Marcus Smart been in the league eight years now. He's guarded Steph Curry. That's not a small sample size. He's guarded Steph Curry better than anyone. So this is not, you know, incidental. But I will say this: like people will say, well, aren't you know, is, is this Golden State team as good as 2016? No. But no. what no. they are, perhaps Tony is more potent. I mean, Jordan Poole, Jordan Poole could be 80% as prolific as Steph Curry, who's the greatest shooter of all time. And now you've got Klay Thompson. Klay has a chip on his shoulder. And it's not, a, it's not about somebody else or anybody else talking trash. To him. It's not that. Klay just wants to prove that he can be the Klay Thompson we knew before he got hurt. And that's a massive undertaking. And it shows you about the maturity and the self-awareness of Klay Thompson, that he came out like March fifteenth and he said, you know, I- I'm not back yet. I can't guard people like I used to. I'm getting there, but I'm not there yet. And it takes time. And you think, you know, all these dopes who want to tell you how great they are, Clay Thompson, who is great, who I voted for in my top seventy five all time, Clay Thompson said, nah, I'm not there yet. But Tony, he's about there now. And so yeah. if you got that's gonna make Steph Curry more effective. Because Klay Thompson is the guy, like Klay is as great as Steph Curry is. The guy who kills you when you play Golden State, when Klay, when Klay Thompson hits four or five threes in a row, you could just see teams—they just go away. They just—it's time to go home because they can't—they can't answer that. So, so you, you I think mentioned the Warriors are close to that.
2: Yeah, you mentioned Poole. Uh, you've also come to like Wiggins, who you hated yeah. when he played yeah. in Minnesota. You hated him.
5: Yeah. Yes, because he was the best player they had. Now he's the fifth best player on Golden State. Just imagine the effectiveness. Imagine how you feel when you walk on the floor, when you did not respond well to the pressure of being the number one overall player drafted. You just didn't. You couldn't make the playoffs. You had a tough teammate, Jimmy Butler, who was demanding, and you didn't really understand it when he was there. And then you get traded. And you wind up on Golden State. So instead of being the overall number one pick, you're just a guy. You're a dude That's that people right. don't even expect that much from. That's right. That's and your right. teammates are Draymond Green, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson. Come on, man. And now Jordan Poole.
0: You're the fifth best guy.
5: Yeah. So I, I would I mean, to? I look at this
2: I look at this, and to me, if I had one thing that I was curious about, the thing that I think enables Boston to win if they win is how effective is smart. On Curry, when you yep. want to deny Curry the shot. And how effective are the much, much bigger, much bigger Boston defenders yeah. on on what is, when Golden State is going well, they are a small team. Yes. They're a small team, right? That, to Three me, yeah. I, think, I think we'll learn by the end of game two. I think we'll learn who's going to win the series. I really
5: believe that. But I, what do I you think? I can see that, Tony. I can see that. I wonder the same thing while I'm picking Golden State. I wonder, look, Tatum and Brown, and Kendrick Perkins alluded to this today. They are two-way players. They can defend you. It's not just Marcus Smart, although Marcus Smart is the best of them. Al Horford. Uh, here's the other thing. is Robert Williams, who could not play much in that series before, because this guy got a serious knee injury. I mean, when he listen, listen, there are people that folks rail against for taking nights off and not playing. Not, James Harden talking his way out of two cities. People like Robert Williams and Jimmy Butler, come on, man. These guys would be, the, the, their doctors would tell them, and they probably did already, you shouldn't be playing tonight. And they do. And so Robert Williams couldn't be Robert Williams except for a couple of games. But now he's going have to have had three days off. I expect him to be Robert Williams, especially in the first couple if he can avoid re-injury. And Tony, so they got a host of defenders, and they're yeah. long.
2: Yeah, they you know, are. So
5: the you, you raise a great point. In yeah. the meantime, yeah. Golden State's small you know, I'm not in love with small ball. The reason I like Golden State has nothing to do with size, it has to do with skill. I'm not a small ball guy Um, because I remember how great the Bulls were when they had guys 6'6 and 6'7 and Scottie Pippen 6'8 and Robin 6'8. They weren't big. They weren't huge. But but great and large is better than great and small. I think that's true. Like you, I'm willing to – I'm I'm wanting to see what happens.
2: I want to see. You don't honestly think in your heart. You don't honestly think these are the two best teams in the NBA, do you? You don't um, really think that.
5: I think that they are the two teams least bothered by the expectations and that somehow got to Phoenix and I don't really know why. Yeah. Like, I haven't had a chance if I will coming up to just sit I'll sit at a restaurant in Scottsdale with, with Devin and with Chris and we'll and I'll just listen to them. Yeah, Because um, they're really smart, perceptive guys and, and they're basketball thinkers and they will have they will have answered their own questions about what the hell happened. So I think that they they were the best team, but they weren't equipped to deal with something they faced. Something. I don't know what it is. No, and I
2: understand it's, that. But, I, I mean, I think Phoenix and Milwaukee are the two best teams. There are different no, reasons Milwaukee. why they lost.
5: I I, I, oh, I, I, I think if yeah, Middleton is healthy, yeah, I think they yeah, win. Middleton, yeah, you're right. I you're do. right. You know what? I Look, Tony, I, I picked Miami and Milwaukee to make the Eastern Conference Finals on the first day of the season. I did All pretty right. good on that, you got
3: considering one out Middleton
5: two. didn't play. And, no. and to me, you know, Golden State and Phoenix, you know, we, we didn't know Denver was going to be as injured as they wound up being very early on. But, yeah. but, but Golden State, yes. Golden State is – because, Tony, they're just smarter. They're smarter. From the general manager, Bob Myers, who doesn't get nearly enough credit, to Steve Kerr to the assistant coaches, to to Draymond and Clay and Steph and Andre Iguodala, who's like an assistant coach over there now. That's why they got him back. They're smarter. They're mentally tougher. Mental toughness to me, while people fixate on numbers, I fixate on who's mentally tougher. Like I'll take Jimmy Butler, and you can have almost anybody else in the league. Because Jimmy Butler, as we just saw again in the playoffs, he's mentally tougher than almost everybody, even though he's not as good. He can take you out with what he's got. And so I think that I think that Golden State has enough of both the talent, the natural talent, skill, and the toughness, mental toughness yeah. that they're gonna and Boston still does too many weird things. Like they almost gave away game seven. You know, they tried to give away game seven. They did give away game six. So I, I just think if you do that with Golden State, they're gonna they're gonna hurt you, they're gonna cut your heart out.
2: Are you not so fabulously enthralled with the notion? that Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving <laughs> left these teams to yeah. go play together in Brooklyn, and these teams yeah. without them are in the
5: finals? Yes, yes. You have to be captivated by that. Yes. And it's to wonderful. me, like, I don't understand the seduction of Kyrie Irving, which, Tony, is not just like knuckleheads. How about Mike Krzyzewski? I mean, Kyrie Irving yeah. has been seducing people. It's not yeah. just like... like young dopes like my dear child, who I love more than anything on the planet, who basically will just tell you, I love him. I love Kyrie Irving. Yeah. And he will now, because he plays basketball at point guard, and because he plays on the AAU teams, he plays on a variety of teams, he's on and his high school summer league team already, he plays, he plays on good teams. He's become a pretty good little thinker on the basketball court. And I say to him, what, what are you doing? How are you seduced by this clown? And he has answers now. He doesn't just say, "Dad, I don't know." He has answers. Just like, but there are people. <laughs> my son doesn't matter in the history of basketball. Mike Sheshewski matters. Yeah. People. Kevin Durant matters. These people are seduced by this guy. And so, it's interesting, Tony, because the players in the league line up on one side. And I would just say this without giving out too much. So Chris Paul, who we think the opposite of of Kyrie Irving, is that fair to say? Yeah. Yes. Chris Paul has said to Matthew, Matthew, sit down and explain to me why you're fascinated by Kyrie Irving. That's as far as he'll go. These two are peers. They have to play against each other, and Chris Paul's never going to just sort of go after somebody. That's not his method. But he says to Matthew with a critical look, what you? and so there's, Tony, there's half the league is seduced by him, including Kevin Durant. I understand. He left Steph Curry
2: yep, for, this for this
5: incense-throwing guy. lunatic.
2: yeah. Well, there's and a so great line what, what in broadcast news. What do you think the devil's going to look like? It's just <laughs> All right, let me get to one other question. I, I think Curry and Thompson are certainly in the running, if not way ahead of everybody else, as the greatest guard combination in the history of the NBA. But to that Man. end, Mike, to that end, I wrote down a few others. Okay. Frazier and Monroe. I was going to say Frazier
5: Monroe. That, that comes off top Frazier of my Frazier
2: and Monroe. I'll even yeah. say Sloan and Van Leer, though they didn't win. No,
5: but as guards, okay. No, I love them.
2: Isaiah and Vinnie Johnson.
5: Yeah, well, Isaiah and Joe Dumars. Oh yeah, and, and Vinnie Johnson D- yeah. the third, Joe Dumars. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. yes. Sam yes. and KC. Yes, yes. You know, and Magic and Byron Scott. Yes,
5: I, to I mean be in the, to be in the garden the other night, Tony. When now you forgot his pair. I'm gonna tell you about it in a second. When it went to sit there and watch on the big screen in the Boston Garden, by whatever name, it's still Boston Garden, and watch when they play clips of Sam and KC. gives oh, me
0: goosebumps.
5: Like, I oh. think there's probably only 2% of the arena that even knows what's going on. And for me, I got to hold back tears. But let me just say to you, Tony, the greatest guard combination of all time is Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen.
2: Uh, so I, I just considered Pippen to be not
5: a guard. He's the point guard. He's point. Well, I don't but, care how they introduce him. I don't care how they introduce John okay. Paxson or Steve Kerr. Right. The okay. guards on that team who had the ball at the end of the game. Scottie okay. Pittman had the ball. I just and I did so, it by sight. Yeah, and, no, I you my, know, my, yeah. yeah, you did it by the listing of position. That's fair. Yep. Marie Monroe and Frazier in my childhood, Ooh. I watched them go up against Sloan and Van Leer. My father took me to the arena and we got it, to see. Got how, hey, how about West and Goodrich? Yeah, but I they you know averaged, they averaged 50, 50. Yeah. 5-0, 5-0. <laughs> so, I mean, you know what else? You know what else? Tony Parker and Manu Ginobili, they won. They won multiple titles. They did. I mean, but they, don't there's, 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 without, there's, they don't win them without.
2: They don't win without the big man. They don't win them without Dunk. You know. I, you know.
5: That's right. You, you can make a right. lot of that's cases. True. The only point that's I would true. make
2: here is that Golden State is different than other teams now. Golden yeah, they, they, State is not a yeah. big. Team, get no, it in the middle. They're no, not. They're not that. No,
5: they're too. Well, see, that's what different. makes Draymond Green so valuable. And he people who get blow. mad because Draymond has temper tantrums, so they missed the point. Like Draymond has to be that guy. Look at the other personalities on Golden State. Nobody says boo. You can't have that. Like the Bulls have one of those Boy Scout teams now with Zach Levine and Demar Derozan. You can't have that. That gets you beat. There's a reason why Draymond Green has the value beyond the, 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 the physical value. The temperament. Draymond Green knows what he's doing, and all you have to do is be there five minutes after those tirades where he gets thrown out of the game, and you're sitting there talking to Draymond for half an hour, and it's like talking to a librarian. It's great. So, 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 so you're right, Tony. They don't have any of that. They got, but mm-hmm. those two guys, look, time may prove that they're the best, the best backcourt.
2: If they win another title, or God that's, knows two, if they win another one, that's four. And that's yeah. big time. That's big yeah. time, especially without Durant. That's what I'm rooting for. Anyway, all right, enjoy yourself yeah. tomorrow night, and I'll see you on TV. Looking forward to it. Oh, actually, tonight. It's tonight. This is airing Thursday. Tonight. Tonight. You know, to full disclosure, we're doing this with Wilbon on Wednesday evening, so I have my dates wrong. <laughs> all right, I'll talk to you. Goodbye. Thanks, Tom. Michael Wilbon, boys and girls. Next up is a friend of mine, uh, Eric Sedransk, who's doing something in golf that has never been done before, and we're going to talk about it. I'm Tony Kornheiser.
4: Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show.
2: Once again, we play the music of Coleman Mellet, sent to us by his brother Zebulon Mellet. The name of this song, it's really a nice tune. As life goes on, the irony in that is obvious, since for Coleman Millett, the music goes on long beyond life at this point. Michael, if people want to send in their children's music or their brothers' and sisters' music or their cousins' music, somebody close to them who can't send it in for themselves, how do they do it?
3: Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at TonyCornizershow.com.
2: Can we get to Eric now? What do you think, Sean? Is Eric on the line? Are we good? Eric is there. Fantastic. We're going to bring in Eric Sedransk. This name means nothing to you, but it means a lot to me because he is the son of my late friend Ira Sedransk, who I went to grade school with and junior high with and high school with and used to be part of the group that came to Delaware and played golf all the time. And we took a lot of Ira's money because he wasn't as good as the rest of us, which always made me happy, although he was a much better athlete than most of us. He did uh, triathlons, none of the rest of us would try that. Eric, you're in the golf business now and you do something that has had extraordinary impact in a very short period of time. Tell everybody who listens, all dozens of them, what is Member for a Day and what do you do?
4: Yeah, Tony, first of all, just thanks for having me on. I know my dad would be really excited about this right now. Um, you know, the short really is that at Member for a Day, we auction off once in a lifetime golf experiences for charity.
2: Where though, like you got to tell the people where they can play sometimes.
4: Yeah, we've auctioned off rounds at something like 75 of the top 100 clubs in the country. So wow, you're talking about Marion, Congressional, Bel Air. (laughs) We've auctioned off rounds of golf with Ken Griffey Jr. at Grove 23. We've auctioned off a round of golf with Bill Murray at Sleepy Hollow. Um, We do a lot of stuff with pro athletes and, and celebrities and Like I said, most of the premier, private, super exclusive golf clubs around the country. Okay. How did you come up? This is for charity now.
2: (laughs) Everybody has to sign off on this. The charities have to sign off. The clubs have to sign off. The people who are going to host, the people who buy these things have to sign off. How did you come up with this? And was there ever any resistance to it?
4: Yeah, so this, I like to call myself an accidental entrepreneur in the sense that I had gotten laid off from my tech job in New York City during COVID. And while I was um, in Hilton Head at my mother's house, um, feeling really, really guilty because here I am in 70 degree weather, uh, essentially protected quote unquote from COVID, everyone in New York City is taping their windows shut. And it was that guilt that led me to launch my own charity auction. Uh, And that was in support of New York City Hospital frontline workers. And that initial one just kind of went crazy on social media. And uh, with the help of a lot of other people, I was able to raise over $100,000 in a week, which equated to over 12,000 meals that we purchased from local restaurants and delivered them to hospital frontline workers in New York City. And so that was really all I was trying to do. This wasn't some business school business plan and grandiose visions of creating a charity fundraising behemoth. Um, And then as fate would have it, Uh, golf magazine, saw what I did, wrote an article. And uh, a few weeks later, uh, the New York Post, I think uh, a friend of yours, Mark Cannizzaro, their lead sports writer, wrote an article about me. And and that's when things changed. Um, I had about 20 nonprofits, including the American Cancer Society, reach out to me, arguably the largest nonprofit in the world, and said something to the degree of, hey, Eric, what you did was really cool. Do you think you could do that for us? And that's how it all started.
2: So in, in X amount of months or years, how much money
4: has Member for a Day raised for a variety of charities? So we, at this point, are pretty much on the two-year mark, almost exactly. And we have now raised over $3 million just for charity. Unbelievable. And, and what, I guess the
2: other question I would have is, why didn't they think of it on their own before? <laughs> you know what I mean? Why?
4: I mean, you just, you just drove the car right through the tunnel, right? I think it's a fair question. I think it's, if we're talking about it from a pure business perspective, it's classic fragmented industry in the sense that there are golf tournaments, charity outings all over the country, and they have auctions, right? It's normally the table on the side, and they might have a round of golf. They also might have, I don't know, some jewelry or something. But the problem that we're solving, Tony, and I think you know this, is... Is the worst thing that could happen, in my opinion, is it's one thing to get a round of Shinnecock donated to auction off. It's a whole nother thing if that round of golf sells for two or three thousand dollars, whereas on our platform it might raise twelve to fifteen thousand dollars, right? So in my mind, that is ten thousand dollars of lost money that should have gone to the charity. But I think to to answer your question, um, there's like you said uh, initially, there's a lot of constituencies, right? I think the first, the most obvious one is the private country club landscape is, is conservative, right? And and yes, yes, it's changing. It's changing though, right? I mean, we saw it with, you know, the group dude, perfect. They're, they're hitting hockey sticks around Augusta national a week before the masters or whatever it was filmed. Um, so things are changing and I'd like to think that what I'm doing could not have happened. Of course I needed the internet, but could not have happened 10, 15 years ago or 20 years ago. Um, but I think ultimately the reason that it is succeeding is because the clubs understand that what we're doing is not golf now for, ch- for private golf courses. It is to solve the problem, like I said, of maximizing the amount of charitable impact that amazing golf experiences can have by reaching a broader audience.
2: So I'm sure you know this. I don't go anywhere near the internet because I'm on the internet and I don't <laughs> want to see what is said about me. But how do you get Is it the internet That interests Bill Murray Or Ken Griffey Or all these other famous people you have Who are members at Club X and Club Y To call
4: you To say I'll host three people How does that work? So the reason that again, that this all works, is that the nonprofit is responsible for the golf experiences. And the reason that's important is a few things. One, frankly, it would be pretty much impossible for me and my team to do it by ourselves. But secondly, and this is the more important one, is how, if I could get around with Ken Griffey Jr, let's say I know him or whatever and he'll donate his time, how am I supposed to decide if that should go to the American Cancer Society or the ALS Association, right? But if right. the nonprofit gets it themselves, it's very clear where that money goes. So, we actually don't get the golf experiences ourselves. We are just the platform that is able to get those experiences in front of, you know, up to our audience is about 25,000 people across the country at this point. So, this is the only
2: thing that might come off as semi critical. And this is what I want to ask you about. Some of these clubs are great and they are beyond the reach of so many people. I mean, they Mm. just, you're never going to play there what happens i mean there there's a certain morality and a certain fairness in my mind that anybody should be able to do this but if it's for charity somebody's going to swoop in with much more money than 95% of the people who would like to do it do you have any sort of problem with that or do you see the mission as raising money for charities and it's okay you know if if hedge fund people and venture capitalists and yep. you know people who created tesla you know want to buy this
4: Yeah. And and I've thought about this a lot. And the short answer is yes, you're right. Um, A lot of our audience uh, or our community, I should say, are real estate and finance professionals. So that is spot on. So, you know, from from my perspective, I've thought about this since day one. I don't want to become just another platform for rich people to play great golf courses. And so I think. What you'll see from our platform as we start to grow larger is we're going to do more sweepstakes, right? Because sweepstakes, anyone can afford or not anyone, but most people can afford, you know, a ten or twenty dollar entry for the chance to win a round at Wingfoot. And I just, oh. to me, that's important because so it's I like mean, a raffle. Is yeah, that what exactly? You're like, okay, that's right. that's right. Because I mean, Tony, you know, like. I mean, I didn't really grow up as a golfer, but I grew up in Westchester. I used to drive by the gates of Wingfoot and stare at it and just in my mind, I will never play this course. And so to me, it's really important that average Joe has a chance. You know, it might not be a great chance, but at least they have a chance to play Wingfoot.
2: When you drove by Wingfoot, did you ever say, I'll own this damn track one day? (laughs) Did you ever do that?
4: That would have been cool if you did
2: that. Um, I I mean, I've I've been... Because of celebrity, I've been able to play so many great courses. I've been extraordinarily lucky. I just think what you're doing is is fabulous. I mean, you should you should take a lot of credit for doing it. Tell us what the latest one is, because this has to do with your dad. Tell us about yeah, this.
4: yeah. So this this one is uh, especially important to me, and obviously you as well. You know, this is something we've been working on now for the greater part of a year. So we are actually launching today um, in partnership with Major League Baseball Players Alumni Association and the ALS Association, which, for full context, it's the disease that my father passed away from a little over two years ago. And and, and I should
2: interject that the reason it would have something to do with baseball is because it's Lou Gehrig. He is the most famous exactly right. person to have ever contracted this. Yes, Lou so that's Gehrig.
4: exactly right. And so yeah. Lou Gehrig's day, um, which is obviously a huge day in Major League Baseball, so We're launching an auction where we have over 20 former greats, including Raleigh Fingers and Goose Gossage and A.J. Pruszynski and J.T. Snow all around the country at amazing golf courses. I mean, A.J. Pruszynski is hosting at Grove 23. J.T. Snow's at Cow Club. I mean, you know, these are really great clubs with amazing. If you're, listen, if you're a baseball player, this is a pretty cool way to just spend five hours with uh, potentially one of your heroes.
2: All right. And will you play in this? (laughs) <laughs> you try to play in it? I mean, just, you know, for your dad, will you try and play in it?
4: Um, so, I don't know. I, I, get it. I didn't give it any thought. You know, for me, Tony, the only thing that I'm focused on is, is growing this platform because, you know, me playing is not the best use of my time right now. The best use of my time is figuring out ways to, to scale this platform out and do larger and, and larger auctions every day. So I'm just focused on, you know, getting this auction out to as many people as possible so we can raise as much money. Because, um, frankly, watching my father lose the ability, and, and you said it early on, you know, he was a triathlete, so yeah. it wasn't like he was just sitting there on the couch eating bonbons. Um, he was like the most mobile person I knew, and to watch him for five years slowly lose the ability to walk is all the, the motivation I need to raise as much money as possible so that the next generation doesn't have to go through what I did.
2: You're a pretty good player, though, aren't you, Eric? You can play.
4: I I was pretty good. I kinda I kinda stopped grinding, but I am a six handicap still, according to the gin.
2: That's pretty good, six. Michael, you could just give them one aside and you could probably play. It. <laughs> we'll have to see my adjust. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned Grove twenty-three a couple of times. I have to tell you, I have great. I know a couple of people who are members at Grove 23, and I have been invited, and I just haven't gone anywhere in Mm. over two years now. I haven't gone. But Grove 23 sounds so cool. There are no governors on the carts. These people are flying. They're going 30 and 40 miles an hour. And the only thing, I think the only rule at Grove 23 is if Jordan wants to play through, you have to let him. I think, I don't, I'm not sure there's, I'm honestly not sure that there's any other rule at Grove 23. So that would be, you know, the fact that Ken Griffey is a member and took people out there. Have you found, have you found uh, uh, feedback afterwards, Um, what people who hosted think of the people who played with them, whether they think it's a good idea? Have you had repeat situations?
4: Yeah, it's a great question. Actually, Ken Griffith Jr. is a perfect example because he hosted one round at Grove and then another at his home course, Isleworth, where I think he lives. Yeah. Um, so he's a perfect example. So the answer is yes. You know, I think that's the ultimate here is that it's it's a win-win-win. And I mean that in the sense that, like, obviously it's a win for the charities, but the ultimate thing is if, if we can actually create Connections, genuine connections between host and winners—that's the ultimate win. And I see it all the time, right? A guy wins around an interlock, he's a member of Wanna Moiset. He says, "Hey, come out this summer." And and next thing you know, they're playing separately from our platform, and it's it's making the world a, a closer a closer place. I think. Um, so to answer your question, yes, you know, of course, like any any large scale platform, we're always going to have some bad apples, but thankfully, like. We really haven't had many um, because, and this is maybe a little bit of my naivety, is that I think if we're doing this for the right reasons, which of course we are, being that it's for charity, that we're going to attract the right people and we're not going to attract a lot of, I guess, jerks for for better.
2: So if people want to get involved in this, if they want to be involved in your auction, what, what do they log on to to see what you're doing?
4: Yeah, so the easiest place is go to our website, which is memberforaday.com, all spelled out, all the letters. And, um, you know, the ALS one, like I said, launches today, but we we have auctions launching pretty much every week. Sometimes we have multiple auctions launching every week. So, you know, hop on there, click on the link to the auction, subscribe to our email list, follow us on Instagram. And, um, yeah, I mean, if you want to play amazing once-in-a-lifetime golf experiences while supporting great charities, we are the place to be.
2: Your dad would be very, very proud of you. Say hi at home <laughs> to your mom,
4: okay? Thanks, I Eric. I appreciate that, Tony. Thank you.
2: Eric Sedransk, boys and girls. Something we don't usually do. We will take a break. We have email and jingle. When we come back, I am Tony Kornheiser.
4: This is The Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser
3: Show. Here
4: comes
2: skipping all over the place sean did you hear that that's skipping all over the place
1: i i did but i'll fix it in post
3: it must be your cell phone coverage <laughs> it's, yeah it's probably a lot of t is killing me They're <laughs> killing me we walked around the front of the house that has to stand at the, at the doorway
2: <laughs> I, I can't i can't stand in the doorway and conduct these calls and take notes <laughs> i can't, can't. take I'll notes it standing
3: chair. it's a
2: joke. AT&T, you're... You're you're, killing me. Yeah, you're taking my money. You're stealing my
1: money under false pretenses. It's very simple. Now, just do the Bethesda Bagel. Bethesda Bagels, we love them. You will as well. All you need to do is go to BethesdaBagels.com for a location in the D.C. area nearest you. Then pop on in, my friend, and you'll be thrilled. That'll just about do it for us today. Before we get to the
2: mailbag, let me say, I walked 47 miles of barbed wire. I got a cobra snake for a necktie. A brand new house up on the roadside. It's made out of rattlesnake hide. Got a brand new chimney put on top, and it's made out of human skull. Come on, baby, take a walk with me and tell me, who do you love? Now, you may know that from George Thorogood and the Delaware Destroyers, but that's a Bo Diddley song. <laughs> it's a that's Bo- a Bo Diddley song, <laughs> and everybody a- knows the Bo Diddley beat. <laughs> Bo Diddley. All right, thanks to our guests today, Michael Wilbon and Eric Sedransk. Thanks to today's sponsors, Solo Stove and Sunday. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. If you get the show through Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review.
3: Our great thanks to Cane Bay High School. and. I'm glad that Sean will fix that in post. Time to celebrate your uh, recent grads and Father's Day. And we have a little Bootsy who's turning five. So check out johnnyo.com. Again, I recommend the Calcutta shorts. TK Bootsy 5. Uh, Bootsy S-I-E. That's wonderful. TK Bootsy 5. Yeah, and during the break, Dad showed me a picture of Charles's grandson. Big. Yeah, now big there's boy. a challenge a big out giant. for the hammer. <laughs> He's a big boy. We might have the hammer, but we can't take on a Barkley. Henry
2: <laughs> is a sturdy little boy. Yeah
3: but Charles's grandson. (laughs) See him box out.
2: (laughs) From Kevin Hamilton in Ackworth, New Hampshire. It was the spring of 1974. I was a college student in Boston, not Rivera, riding the T. At the Park Street Station, a stylishly dressed gent in his mid-30s stepped into the car, paused momentarily, then sat down directly to my right, Her arms making contact as he settled in. This guy looks just like John Lennon, I said to myself. But his appearance was obviously no accident. I wasn't going to be one to give him the satisfaction of saying, hey, man, you look just like John Lennon. So he rode in silence to the next stop where he exited. I didn't give the matter a second thought until the next day when I saw a story in the Boston Globe headline, ex-Beatle John Lennon makes surprise visit to Boston Record Store. Said record store was located on Park Street where my seatmate got on the T. I immediately said to myself, I'm a loser. And he, he adds a lot of Beatles songs here, which is nice. But he said, all I had to say was, hey, are you... Uh, From Steve the Sycophant, it was the mid-70s at the then-new Kansas City Royal Stadium. I was selling beer on a very hot summer afternoon as I sweated my way down the aisle close by the seats behind home plate. I was hailed by an elderly man who requested a beer. As I started filling the cup, I realized I was serving the one and only Leroy Satchel Page. I gave him the cup, and as he started to pay me, I just said, this one is on me, Mr. Page." He smiled and said thanks, and that was it. I wanted to talk to him about seeing him pitch in the mid-50s on a barnstorming joint, but figured he'd heard that story thousands of times before. I just moved on while he sipped away. Um, Joe Carter. This is one about Joe Carter. And it is from Chris Palmer in Thunder Bay in Ontario. Uh, it's it's just... It's long. As a lifelong lifelong Blue Jays fan and a child born in Canada in the 80s, you just could imagine that seeing Joe Carter was like today's generation meeting Justin Bieber. I casually asked for his autograph on my ticket stub and we engaged in conversation as he happened to live in Kansas City and was a big Chiefs fan. As we boarded the plane, this is online for the plane, I was kicking myself for not getting a picture with him so I could brag to my childhood friends. When I saw him at the Kansas City airport waiting for our bags, I asked him for a picture and he politely obliged and we went our separate ways. So you might be thinking, what makes this encounter any different than the guy in the bathroom next to Paul McCartney? And you know, he said, as I stood at the shuttle counter looking to book a shuttle to our downtown airport, I felt a poke on my shoulder, only to turn around and see Mr. Carter standing there. He asked me where we were going and follow-up by asking if we wanted a ride. Without hesitation or consultation with my wife, I answered yes to allowing a complete stranger to drive <laughs> us in his car to a city I had never been to. It's just, you know, it's really nice. I mean, it's, it's long. It's yeah, very, Joe, gives him nice.
1: like a tour of the city. It's amazing.
2: From Tom Felice. In the late 70s, I was living in Boston. I was given a chance to fly to Paris on the Concorde. At this point, it only went from Washington to Paris. I took the Eastern Shuttle to Washington to get on the plane. On the return from Paris, I again landed in Washington and took the Eastern Shuttle to Boston. Five rows ahead of me was Tip O'Neill. I passed him as we were walking down the Concourse. It was the closest I'd ever been to real power. And he said they were trying to get approval to land in New York City, so they gave out a lot of swag. I still have my Concorde leather memo case and key tags. From Rob... Jutras, J-U-T-R-A-S, in Trent Woods, North Carolina. Waiting for a night flight, red eye from LAX to Charlotte. I sit only to realize the greatest raider, none other than Marcus Allen, sitting in the boarding area as well. Right behind him, slightly over his head, is an outlet 13 in my kitchen. People (laughs) desperately searching for a way to charge their device repeatedly attempted to plug into an outlet that did not work. Over and over again, complete strangers plugged in and left without any satisfaction. I leaned over to Mr. Allen, and said that outlet seems to be getting more attention than the greatest raider. He laughed. That's very, very nice. Mark Strickland. Are we still doing this? Only briefly, Mark. If so, please consider my contribution. On a flight from Nashville to Atlanta in the mid-70s as a toddler, I fell asleep in the lap of one Harlan Colonel Sanders. Yeah, the guy with the chicken. My mom said he was amused by it all and was perfectly content to let me nap for the hour of flight. I've been a fan of the 11 herbs and spices ever since. From Mark Schwab in Brentwood, Tennessee. In 1994, Nolan Richardson was a king in my hometown of Fayetteville, Arkansas. He had just coached her beloved Razorbacks to a national championship. I was an acne-faced 16-year-old. One day, I pulled my 1978 Oldsmobile into the Fayetteville Youth Center parking lot with the skill and control you would expect from a new male <laughs> driver. I narrowly missed a, green, a light green Cadillac through my Delta 88 in the park and stepped out. Then the driver got out of the Cadillac and the king of Fayetteville, Roland Nolan, proceeded to verbally destroy me for what seemed like an eternity. He weaved a tapestry of insults and curse words and placed them directly on my shaking shoulders. Almost 30 years later, and I still feel ashamed. <laughs> From Ed Patterman. Been a big fan for years. Here's a golf celebrity and dad story all in one. Ten years ago, I played in a pro-am in Las Vegas with Jack Nicklaus and his son Steve. Whoa! A pro-am in Las Vegas with Jack and Steve Nicholas. Played at Lake Las Vegas. Jack shot 72. Steve shot 79. I shot 75. We won first place. That night I called my dad, told him I played in a pro-am with Jack and proudly said, Dad, just wanted to let you know that today your son beat the son of Jack Nicholas. Made my dad very proud. (laughs) Rob Jones. I'm a dentist in Mesa, Arizona, originally from Lindbrook, and I'm getting new scrubs embroidered with name and practice name on it. Given that you're open to sponsoring golf kids, I was curious if you wanted to sponsor me. Would love to offer extractions for you and your family at no cost in return. I'll hang up and listen. That's funny. From Austin Blake in Scottsdale, Arizona. Not North Scottsdale where we'll buy. Big temperature difference. The other side of the tracks. Scottsdale, Arizona. After hearing you turn down a D1 athlete for an NIL deal, I figured I'd try my luck next. I just finished the first year of the accounting PhD program at Arizona State University. I don't have a golf bag, jersey, or a hat that I can put your name on, but I can eventually give you an acknowledgement in an academic paper that neither you nor I will ever fully read. Beyond that, my expenses are pretty low, so your sponsorship would go towards playing golf at courses Wilbon would never play and buying halfway decent beer. If this doesn't fit the demographic you're trying to reach, my dog is an ambassador for a pet bandana company on Instagram. I can put your people in touch with his people. He's like a dog influencer. Tim from Alexandria writes... Mr. Tony, as Nigel confirmed on Monday, you were right that Bruce Hornsby is from Williamsburg. He was actually discovered, this is a great sentence. You need to hear this sentence. He was actually discovered in 1978 by Michael McDonald of the Doobie Brothers when McDonald saw him performing at, wait for it, the Steak and Ale restaurant <laughs> in the nearby Hampton area. <laughs> Steak and Ale. It's a, oh, it doesn't exist anymore. It's a great chain, Steak and Ale. There's right. one in Florida. There's one in Binghamton. Flash forward to the early 1990s, and I was working at a local video store in Williamsburg while attending a certain college there. Shout out to Brad Weiss. Who should come in to return his rentals but multi-Grammy winner Bruce Hornsby? I won't divulge the titles of the tapes he rented that would betray the sacred video store clerk oath, but I will say he did not follow the suggestion to be kind and rewind. Do you want to tell your Bruce Hornsby story?
3: Well, there's an update with that, which is that The Hammer loves his Bruce Hornsby song, Fields of Grey. I sing it to him when I uh, stroll him home from preschool. But uh, we sang Fields of Grey for a high school graduation song, and then we went out to – where is – do we go to Wolf Trap? Wolf Trap. And we got to meet uh, Hornsby beforehand, and I tell him the story, and his kid, who then goes on to play D1 ball. D1
2: starter at LSU in basketball. Basically, uh, so right
3: off the right off the tour bus, shooting hoops, and I tell him this story, and he tells me how he wrote it for his kid, and uh, sort of the lyrics speak for themselves, and then he introduces it, uh, middle of the show, going, I hadn't played this in a while, but this one playing Fields
1: of Grey. It's, that's phenomenal. Nice man, Bruce Hornsby. You know who he plays with, right? A band Stevie you're, Winwood now you're not, a, you're not a fan of the band uh, The Grateful Dead Oh I thought he played with Stevie Winwood I thought they he's, toured together He has been taught, well, He might be doing with them now But I know he's toured with the dead For an awfully long time One more From
2: our old friend Joe Bianchino In um, Latham, New York Hold on Dan Byrne has opened for the Who And given Will Chamberlain <laughs> tennis lessons <laughs> Who's writing his biography And where can I submit a sample <laughs> yes. If you're out on your bike tonight Everyone as always Do wear what Come on man well, What are we doing out there man
0: Close and you can hear the soulful whisper in your ear, so fine. Singing, I'll be seeing you when the moon and stars begin to shine. And life goes on, but not without the joy of Edith's song. I can still hear her sing to you and me. From the corner of your eye, right, do you see the little one so sweet? Waiting there so patiently for the one who made a life. Come. Life goes on, but not without the joy and a song. And I can still hear her sing to you and me. guardian rose show me the way you make my grey skies blue so if you have to leave I just might know what to do I want to spend our life together I want to build a world with i love. so hurry back to me why don't you come on home come on home don't leave me lonely too long come on home and i'll sing you a brand new song without you no this house won't be a happy home so hurry back